Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. everyone and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie and I am your host and it has been a while since we have chatted and the reason for that is pretty much family and sickness. So so there's a couple of things. One, if you don't know, I had several family members. I had seven family members visiting from Alaska, which is awesome. Only one of those family members was actually staying with me and only one of those family members was a child, and the child wasn't staying with me. Everybody else was an adult. So I was like, well, this will be easy. Everybody's an adult. But what I didn't take into consideration is my mom has some health issues, and I didn't take into consideration how much time it took to do everyday normal things with my mom. And listen, for what my mom's got going on, she's doing great, uh, and, and I was happy to do it. But that didn't leave a lot of time for doing this show because I wanted to prioritize my mom, who I haven't seen for eight years, and my family, who I haven't seen for eight years, versus everything else in my life at that time. So my family leaves last Thursday. I was like, cool. I missed the Tuesday show, but I'll be able to hit that Friday show. And lo and behold, at midnight, almost exactly at midnight on Friday morning, I got the flu. And that fun experience pretty much lasted until Monday. Monday, I was able to kind of come out of it just a little bit. And today I feel mostly fine. But yeah, so between family and illness, I wasn't able to get the shows ready like I normally would. And even recording them, forget about it. Even if they were ready, I couldn't have stood long enough uh, over this weekend to record them without getting really nauseous. So I appreciate everybody's patience and thank you so much for um, understanding. All right, I'm going to save all of the other announcements, which really there's just one, and it's about my other podcast, for the end of the show. Let's go ahead and jump into our EV news. An electric fire truck is heading to the Daytona International Speedway. Rev Vector, which is a truck built by Rev Fire Group, and Rev Fire Group owns E1. I'm not a fan of E1. KME Ferrera and Spartan Fire Chassis. Obviously, the Vector won't be racing, but it will be running a few laps on the Daytona <laughs> International Speedway, which is really cool. I'd like to sign up for that job. E1 is based out of Florida, and I believe they're building this truck in Florida, so this makes a lot of sense. Daytona is committed to featuring 
electric vehicles of some sort prior to the race beginning. So this is pretty cool. Uh, I, I've only been to Daytona one time and I didn't go to a race, uh, all, but I just went to the beach and it was a lot of fun. Fun fact, while I was parking the car, my wife and oldest, uh, I think she was like maybe 16 at the time, had an interesting conversation with a sex worker who was just there sunbathing and hanging out. um, And they just got into a conversation with her. And yeah, I was parking the car. (laughs) Moving on, a proposed Wyoming bill would have banned EVs by 2035 in order to preserve the oil and gas industry in the state. Senate Joint Resolution SJ004 was proposed, but it fell flat. Uh, I think public opinion killed this bill before it could get started. Uh, I actually had planned on doing a whole Tuesday episode on this bill, but because it's dead, I'll just kind of give you the the overview here. If they were going to ban electric vehicles by 2035, if the bill passed, why wouldn't they just ban the vehicle, the, the electric vehicles the day after the bill passes or three months after the bill passes? Why wait till 2020? 35. My guess is because the people who proposed this bill were not serious and they were just trying to get their names in the paper. And I have other things to say about these folks and this stunt. Um, And it, it, it has nothing to do with their political stance. It really has to do with how politics has become like the first 15 minutes of 1980s pro wrestling. And I don't like that. I think we pay these folks to go and do a job and they should go and do that job and be civil to one another without, Never mind. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I don't have a problem with any political party. I do have a problem with this stuff. Moving on. At CES, I was able to interview a representative from Lightyear, which is a company that builds electric vehicles or is planning on building electric vehicles with tons of solar panels all over it. And in that interview, we found out that they were coming out with a more affordable version, like $40,000 range of the Lightyear 2, which is awesome. The Lightyear Zero, which is the $260,000 version of the car, <laughs> it... um it was scheduled to go into production soon and they've halted production or maybe a couple were being built, but they've halted production so that the company can concentrate on the more affordable Lightyear 2. I've seen some publications saying that the Lightyear Zero is dead. It's never going to be built in Lightyear's own communications. Uh, it's about a two minute read if you go to their website. And let me see. I'll try and put that in the show notes. Let me. Give me just a second while I do that while I'm talking. Um, they are suspending production of the Lightyear Zero. They have not said that they're killing the Lightyear Zero. Now, $260,000 car, not a lot of people are going to be able to afford that vehicle. When I was talking to the rep at Lightyear, he said that the reservations were mostly going to investors and uh, another you know, select group of people who could afford a $260,000 car. So I don't necessarily see this as being a big deal. I think this is actually a good decision for Lightyear. Their plan, like many new startup electric vehicle companies, was to build the more expensive model and then to use that money to fund the more affordable model. Well, that's great. I I think that's awesome. However, I don't know that that needs to be the case anymore. When Tesla was building the Model S and Roadster way back when, there wasn't a lot of off-the-shelf parts that they they could use for the electrification process. Um, you know, some of that might be true for the Lightyear 2 or the Lightyear 0 
because they are using solar panels and not a lot of vehicles use that. But everything else that goes in the car, they could probably find most of it off the shelf somewhere where they don't have to come up with a, they don't have to solve a whole lot of engineering problems. I mean, I'm I'm not saying they don't have to solve any, they're obviously going to have to solve some. But yeah, uh, I think making the more affordable version of the car is easier for newer EV makers simply because you have a more robust ecosystem for electric vehicles than you did 10, even five years ago. So I'm glad to see that they're doing this is really what it comes down to. When I was at CES, I also saw the Volkswagen ID7. It was camouflage, so you didn't really get a good look at what the vehicle was going to look like, you know, the production vehicle anyway. But what we do know is that it's going to use an intelligent climate control system that actually detects the sun's position. So when activated, the system will detect where the sun is shining in relation to the car, and it will automatically adjust the climate control system or air conditioning in the case of Arizona in the area of that car. The ID7 will also start heating or cooling the vehicle when it detects the key fob approaching the vehicle, which is a nice feature. There are no physical buttons for the heating and cooling system. It's all on screen, much like you would find on a Tesla Model 3 or Model Y. There's also uh, voice control, and we'll have to see how this works out when it's released. But you can say things like, hello, Volkswagen, my hands are cold, and the steering wheel will start heating and direct warm air towards your hands. And if that actually works, that's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Uh, the world premiere of the ID7 will be second quarter of 2023. Since we're on the subject of Volkswagen, the Volkswagen ID4 won't be shipping with a heat pump because of a semiconductor shortage. I don't know if heat pumps are standard in every country. I know they're not standard standard in Canada, but it sounds like if you ordered a heat pump uh, as an add-on to your vehicle, you will not. You're just not going to get it. It even retrofitted sounds like so and you're not going to get a refund i don't know how they can do that but that's what i'm reading uh if you go to volkswagen's website you get the following message when you try to config- configure an id4 we're sorry availability of some equipment options and or features may be limited due to global supply issues affecting the auto industry please continue to build your vehicle here and request a co- quote but be sure to verify that the vehicle you purchase includes all expected features and equipment. And if you try to use the ID4 configurator, you'll get this message. We're no longer accepting new reservations for the ID4. Please utilize our inventory inventory tool to locate and purchase an ID4 from your local VW dealer. So it sounds like Volkswagen's running into supply chain issues. That sucks for anybody who wants to buy a Volkswagen. You know, I've seen more and more of the ID4s running around. I saw one yesterday. And at first, I didn't really care for the look of that car. But man, the more I see it, it really does look nice. It's a nice looking vehicle. It's not fancy, but I think it's understated. Still on the topic of Volkswagen, kind of. A few weeks ago, we found out that Ford was going to be using the MEB platform from Volkswagen for their electric cars. Ford will develop its own platform for the next-gen vehicles, but as of right now, they're going to use that MEB platform. 
Um, I'm not sure this is news. I think we all knew that this was going to happen sooner or later. These partnerships aren't really designed for long term. It's more out of necessity, I think. And a few years ago, when Ford and VW announced that they were actually going to partner on this, I never thought we'd actually see a vehicle roll off the line from Ford that was built on the MEB platform. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they're up to over there at Ford. Let's talk about one more company that I saw at CES. Following Tesla's price reduction, VinFast is looking for a way to stay competitive. VinFast is planning to combat Tesla's price cuts by using promotional campaigns. This is what they had to say. As a new brand entering the market, market, when other brands reduce their prices, we have to come up with promotions to ensure VinFast's competitiveness. We are considering many promotion programs and will announce soon. I read in some places that those promotional programs would include price cuts. And then I read in other publications where it was unknown if they would include price cuts. So I would just assume that they're not going to and be happy if they actually do. I would like to see VinFast succeed, but I think the VF8, which is what they're offering right now here in the United States, is a little too spendy for what you get. However, we'll see what happens when those promotions come out. They actually had pretty decent promotions when they announced and you pre-ordered at CES uh, a year ago. So we'll see what happens. And now to our final story in the EV news block. Aptera debuted their launch edition three-wheeled solar car. If you don't know what the Aptera is, it's a two-seater electric vehicle that looks like an airplane with the wings cut off. So they had a launch event on Friday, which I actually tried to watch, but I kept falling asleep through it. So I didn't go back to watch it because I felt like it wasn't that interesting anyway. Although I was sick, so there might be that. But let's just run down the launch edition specs real quick. First of all, this isn't really a spec. It's more of a fact. There will be 5,000 launch launch editions produced. The Aptera will have a 0.13 drag coefficient. The Lightyear Zero, which was what we talked about a few minutes ago, has a 0.175 drag coefficient. So the Aptera has a better drag coefficient. You'll get 40 miles of charge per day via solar panels. It'll come with a 42 kilowatt hour battery, 400 miles of range. That's largely because it's aerodynamic and very light. 13 miles per hour of level one charging. It'll use the Tesla North American charge system. I can't remember what the S stands for, but basically it's the Tesla plug plug. And with level two charging, depending on how much energy is flowing through that um, charger, you'll get 57 miles of range with level two charging. And initially they said no DC fast charging because the car's ability to charge via solar. Aptera said that they didn't really believe in that it needs DC fast charging at this point. Well, that's not quite true. Because Aptera changed their mind between Friday and Monday, and they will now include DC fast charging standard on all of their vehicles. If it was so easy for them to make this decision, I don't know why they just didn't do it. Uh, They had to know that they were going to get blowback. So they just would have saved a lot of effort on their part if they just would have said, yes, DC fast charging. 
From the little that I saw of this video, it kind of, to me, seemed like a plea for money. Not from customers, like they're not trying to get customers to give them money, but they're, this is a kind of a dog and pony show for investors because they're still a year away from production and they need at least $50 million in capital for that production. They are trying to get that in loans and grants, but I'm sure that, you know, if one Elon Musk showed up with a $50 million check, they they wouldn't they wouldn't say no. All right, that is it for our EV news this week. Um, I don't do the Patreon plug as much as I probably should, but if you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. And for a dollar, you get a ad-free experience. You also get the satisfaction of supporting a small content creator like myself because um, I'm about as small as you can get in this space. All of the money that you contribute goes back into the show. None of the money goes into my own pocket or pays for any of my personal expenses. This show actually costs me, despite the fact that there are several generous people and advertising uh, on this show, it actually costs me money to do every month. So if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt, and you can sign up for a dollar, and I would appreciate it. That's $1 a month. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's get to our Tesla news. Clark County Fire operates in parts of Las Vegas, Laughlin, and Jean, Nevada. Um, they have quite a few full-time stations, but they also have 13 volunteer stations. The Boring Company, which operates in Las Vegas, Nevada, will hire a Clark County firefighter, or a few firefighters, that wasn't clear, for the Vegas Loop. 
The firefighter will initially be a temp employee of the boring company for 18 months. Then they will become a full-time employee of the boring company. This person or the position, whoever fills this position, will be responsible for training, troubleshooting, logistics, researching, and be a liaison between the boring company, the Clark County Building Department, and the Clark County Fire Department. Right now, the Vegas Loop services the Las Vegas Convention Center and Resort World, Resorts World, whatever it's called. I wrote in it uh, when I was in, at CES, and it was very neat. I basically just went from the South Hall Boring Company Station or Vegas Loop Station to the West Hall Vegas Loop Station, which was about four minutes. But it, it was cool, and the drivers are nice and stuff like that. The Boring Company will expand the loop to other resorts on the Strip and the Las Vegas Airport, the, Alleg the Allegiant Stadium, which is where the Raiders play, and eventually to downtown Las Vegas. Next year, uh, guess what? Guess what's happening at the Allegiant Stadium is the Super Bowl. So I'm almost certain the Bears will not be there, but I can always hope and pray if you're curious as to how much the boring company is willing to pay that firefighter, they are paying $218,000 a year for that position. And I'm, I'm, if you're a boring company representative, I've been a firefighter for 20 years. I will do it for $215,000. So you just need to email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Continuing on with our Nevada and Tesla news. Nevada Governor Joe Lombardo mentioned in the State of the State address that Tesla plans to open a $3.5 billion facility to build the Tesla Semi in northern Nevada, which is right around the area of Sparks, which I don't know if it's going to happen in Sparks, but Sparks happens to be in northern Nevada. And I, I would guess that those two companies or those two facilities would be somewhat close to each other. Uh, at the time I wrote this, it, there had been no announcement, but I just checked and there has been an official announcement. It is unclear whether or not Tesla will build a new facility or invest $305 billion into the existing facilities that they already have on site. So I'm sure tomorrow is Tesla's earnings call. So I'm sure we will find out more tomorrow. By the way, Friday's episode will be exclusively Tesla's earnings call. And since we're on the topic of Tesla Semi, a few of those Tesla Semis sold to Pepsi Frito-Lay have been seen broken down on the side of the road. And there's lots of pictures on the internet if you want to go look for it. I honestly don't think this is a big deal. The fact that Pepsi was the only customer Tesla delivered the Semis to at the big handover event um, kind of told me that it wasn't production ready. Like it was kind of, it was a bit of a spectacle, a spe a spectacle, oh, I'm leaving this in spectacle, spectacle, Woo, spectacle. There we go. Um, I think Tesla needed to show that they were actually delivering these semis and Pepsi was okay with publicly testing the trucks, knowing they weren't fully baked. So I don't think this is a big deal. I would imagine that both companies went into this uh, agreement understanding that these trucks could break down and Tesla would, in fact, fix them. So, yeah, no big deal. We talked about Tesla dropping the prices of their vehicles. Well, I knew it couldn't last. Tesla has already raised the price of the Model Y dual-motor all-wheel drive 
which is, uh, when I read that headline, I was like, oh, that's disappointing, but it's not that bad. They only increased the price by $500, so still getting a great deal. There are a few other articles that I found to be funny about Tesla dropping the prices of their vehicles. And one of the themes in those articles was that Tesla is now facing unprecedented demand because they dropped their prices. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not shocked. If you're shocked by that, please email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com and let me know why you're shocked that Tesla is facing unprecedented demand. <laughs> by dropping the prices by, in some cases, as much as 20%. Uh, the internet's funny sometimes. If you live in Germany, the Model 3 and the Model Y are now eligible for Germany's full 6,750 euro incentive. This next story is kind of neat. Tesla has implemented an automated, automated, don't know what's wrong with me today, quality control system at Fremont. The QA system will monitor the quality of the vehicle's interior, more specifically the dashboard. I'm all for better ways to improve quality control. I think this is great. I would imagine that this device will be used in conjunction with human quality assurance folks to make sure that everything's in tip-top shape when it exits the factory. All right, now... We're going to move on to kind of a sad topic. We're going to talk about a fatal crash that happened in 2018. Walter Huang was driving his Model X on Highway 101 in Mountain View, California, and was unfortunately involved in a fatal crash. Prior to the incident, days prior, Huang notified Tesla that while the autopilot was engaged in this specific section of the road near an exit on Highway 101, the Model X made a left steering movement in that same area every time. And that happened to also go towards like one of those concrete barricades that you see at the exits on freeways. This occurred several times, like I said, in roughly the same location. He did notify Tesla that this was an issue, but he was able to correct it by steering the steering wheel to the right so that he would not... Um, crash into that barrier. According to the National Transportation Safety Board, prior to the lead-up to Huang's fatal accident, he had dropped his son off at preschool, which is adds even a sadder note to this story. And according to recovered phone logs, his, his phone showed that he was playing a game called Three Kingdoms on his iPhone 8. When his vehicle, the Model X, reached that same area of Highway 101 that was having the issue, the car made that left steering movement. Normally, there would have been an impact attenuator in front of this concrete barrier, but a crash earlier had damaged the attenuator and had to be removed, and it hadn't been replaced yet. And what these attenuators do is they slow the vehicle down before it impacts that concrete barrier. It just absorbs all that energy, and hopefully uh, no one's too hurt when they actually hit that, that concrete barrier. During the drive, autopilot was engaged for nearly 19 minutes, and Huang had his hands on the steering wheel for 34% of that time. He was also given two visual alerts and one audio alert. 
Now, Tesla has taken some harsh criticism from the media and lawmakers that autopilot is an overstatement of the system's capabilities, and Tesla shouldn't be telling people that the car has the ability to drive itself. Now, in some instances, it does, but not without the driver monitoring the vehicle, that this is critical because the vehicle is going to make mistakes. All right, let's, so let's go back a little bit further to 2016. Tesla released a video of a Model X driving itself. The video starts with a message. The person in the driver's seat is only there for legal re- reasons. He is not doing anything. The car is driving itself. So let me describe the video to you because this is an audio podcast. The Model X pulls out of what looks like a garage by itself. Then the driver gets into the driver's seat. The ride starts in a residential neighborhood, which turns into a busy street with a four-lane intersection and of four stops as well. The vehicle stops at the appropriate stoplights and accelerates at the appropriate green lights. Same thing with stop signs. The standard way that the Teslas speed up and stop, uh, it, that's the way it does it, which if you've ever done it, it's usually like really fast and then it stops really hard. At least that's the experience I have had since the last time I, was, I had ridden in a Tesla with autopilot or full self-driving engaged. Then after the intersection, the video jumps to a freeway scene, and then eventually it works its way back to the streets. The Model X then pulls into a Tesla facility, which is ends up being the Tesla headquarters. The driver gets out of the vehicle, and the Model X goes in parallel parks itself. Throughout the drive, the person in the driver's seat only gently touches the steering wheel just to let the car know that somebody is still paying attention. Elon tweeted a link to the video on October 16th, 2016 with the following message. Tesla drives itself, no human input at all, through urban streets to highway to streets, then finds a parking space or spot. what he says. So why did I tell you all that? Well, the family of Walter Huang is suing Tesla. In July of 2022, director of autopilot system Ashok Alaswani, hopefully I said that right, was deposed. And in that deposition, he described that 2016 video that I just talked about, it was staged or at least partially staged. So the video looked like the vehicle was just naturally traveling from one location to another. And in reality, Tesla used 3D mapping on a predetermined route from a home in Menlo Park to Tesla's headquarters to make that video. And at the time of that video, Autopilot did not have the ability, even in Tesla's test builds, to stop at stoplights and accelerate at green lights. When the car drove away from the owner at the end, uh, when the owner got out at the headquarters and the car parallel parked itself, at some point between dropping the driver off and doing the parallel parking, the Model X actually crashed into a fence in Tesla's parking lot. So that's problematic. Alaswani went on to say that Musk requested the video. Bloomberg viewed some internal Tesla emails showing that Elon dictated the message at the beginning of the video, which, uh, let's see, what was that message as we go on here? Sorry. Basically that the person in the driver's seat is only there for legal reasons. He's not doing anything. The car is driving itself. So that came directly from Elon, according to Bloomberg. So here is what they said. 
Just want to be, this is from Elon, just want to be absolutely clear that everyone's top priority is achieving an amazing autopilot demo drive, Musk said in an email. Since this is a demo, it is fine to hardcore some of it since we will backfill with production code later in an over-the-air update. I'm guessing in this case, hardcore means fake, um, especially in this situation since we know some of it was. And if you're not sure what backfilling the production code later means, it means that they were going to use some temporary code and then update it later so through an over-the-air update so it actually works. Uh, Elon said that I will be telling the world that this is what the car will be able to do. Musk continued, not that it can do it upon, not that it can do this upon receipt. So I'm going to go back. I have to switch through notes here. And read what Elon's tweet said. Elon's tweet on October 16th, uh, 2016, Tesla drives itself, no human input at all, through urban streets to highway streets, then finds a parking spot. Moving on, the autopilot team delivered four different versions of the video for Elon's feedback And his complaint was that there were too many jump cuts. The video needed to feel like it was one continuous take. When Eliswani was asked in the deposition if the video showed the Tesla autopilot system in a production car at the time, he replied, it does not. He went on to say the intent of the video was not to accurately portray what was available for customers in 2016. It was to portray what was possible to build into the system. Tesla has also been accused by the California Department of Motor Vehicles of misleading consumers, and this is just recently, about its driver assistance system. Tesla has also been accused of deceptive marketing, and there's either a class action lawsuit going on right now, or it's in the works. Um, Initially, it was one person, but I think they want to build it into a class action lawsuit. Anyway, Tesla responded to that suit saying mere failure to realize a long-term aspirational goal is not fraud and motioned to dismiss the suit. Now, I think Trevor Milton and Nikola might think otherwise since they were recently uh, in trouble for something similar. Also, if you said at the beginning of the video, hey, listen, this isn't production. This is aspirational. This is what the car will be able to do in a few short years. I don't think anybody would have a problem with this. Now, Electric reported in 2017 that according to the disengagement of autonomous mode uh, report that Tesla made in California with the California DMV, it, that report confirmed that 550 autonomous miles were driven with 168 disengagements in 2016. Uh, It sounds like Fred Lambert is saying that this trip between the Menlo Park house and the um, Tesla headquarters accounted for all of those disengagements as well as those miles. I don't know if that's the case, but Fred's been doing this a long time. So his argument is that this is basically old news. We already kind of knew that this was the case. Uh, Fred says that a piece of the story that's the piece of the story that's really in contention is the message in the beginning of the video. He goes on to say, this is Fred talking. It's certainly not an ideal presentation of the video, 
But I also don't think you can make the point that Tesla lied or was even misleading with the vehicle. It was showing what it planned to achieve with its self-driving and that it could do it right now with some custom software. The video showed the car navigating the route by itself. And to me, I disagree. At no point in time did they say that, that it was aspirational or that this was a test uh, or anything like that. They said that this is what the car can do and the driver is not interacting with the vehicle in any way, shape or form. So I, I think that that was uh, dishonest. It makes the video makes it seem like the system is capable of something that it's not. And that's where I think the problem lies. If Tesla was honest about the capabilities of the vehicle in 2016, this would have been no matter what, even if they were honest about what the vehicle was capable of right now and what their aspirational goals were, it still would have been a very impressive video. We have come a long way in terms of advanced uh, autonomous driving or self-driving or uh, assistive driving technologies that it doesn't seem that impressive when you look at it today because the car can do all of that mostly without too many mistakes. But in 2016, it was super impressive. It, um, I'm not going to say it was groundbreaking, but it was, it was pretty amazing. A lot of people were talking about it. And because a lot of people were talking about it, nobody bothered to correct them, or at least nobody that I saw. At that time, I was listening to a lot of Tesla's earnings earnings calls like I currently do. And at no point in time did I hear somebody say, hey, tell me about that video. Did the whole thing work uh, as it was described in the video? And I never heard anybody say, um, yeah, I never heard anybody lie. I also didn't hear anybody correcting people when they talked about the video as if it, all those features were actually working. So how is this going to play out for Tesla? I'm not sure. Um I kind of want to know what you think. You can email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Curious as to what your thoughts are on this. And I'll put all of the articles to this in the show notes so you'll have that opportunity to read them. Now, let's move on to our final story. And I had said um, in one of the episodes that I had done recently, <laughs> it's all a blur, that I wanted to stop ending on negative news because I feel like it leaves the show on a little bit of a bummer. So let's talk about something exciting. Let's talk about the Cybertruck. We are getting closer to Cybertruck production. It sounds like assembly of the 9,000 ton Gigapress at Giga Texas is in process. Uh, they also have or took deliveries of the Cybertruck casting molds. These are molds that are placed in the Gigapress to form the rear underbody of the vehicle. Franz von Holzhausen was on Ryan McCaffrey's podcast, Ride the Lightning. I, I actually listened to this when my mom was getting her nails done on her birthday. This is worth a listen. Um, if I remember, I'll try and put a link to uh, Ryan's podcast in the show notes. Franz said from a design perspective, the Cybertruck is basically done. He did also say that pencils are never down at Tesla and there are still features that the public doesn't know about. So I would, I would really like to know about those features. Come on, Tesla, let us know. Uh, future fund manager partner and Tesla investor Gary Black thinks that Tesla will deliver about 10,000 Cybertrucks by the end of 2023. And again, I want to know what you think. You can just email me. Does 10,000 seem like a high number or a low number for deliveries? I honestly think this is a very reasonable number. 
and uh, obtainable for Tesla. Black also said that Tesla should start transitioning from extremely aspirational goals to more realistic goals. Trying to kind of wrapping the last two stories up here. Still no word on price for the Cybertruck. Uh, and we still don't know what the finalized features are. Although I will say with the recent price cuts, I do have hope that once again, I will be able to afford one of these bad chickens. I have a reservation in for a dual motor with the full self-driving capabilities. And yeah, that's without taxes. That's if they honor the original price, that's $5,700 right there for me. And uh, that's a lot of money for me. I actually sat down with my wife and we talked about how we're going to be able to afford this. And that's really comes down to me working a ton of overtime the next year to save up a sizable down payment. Cause I'm not, I don't, I don't want a thousand dollar or even a $700 car payment. That sounds awful to me. So yeah, that's where we're at. And if they only deliver 10,000 and those will likely be the quad motor versions of the vehicle, uh, I would imagine that sometime mid 2024, uh, I would have an opportunity to put a cyber truck in my garage. So fingers crossed. All right, everybody, that is it for our show this week. I do want to mention that if you made it all the way to the end, you are hardcore. Not to say that you're fraudulent. In this case, hardcore means awesome. Um, I do have a new episode out of Shuffle Playlist, which is my podcast that I do with my buddy Chris. And each episode, we talk about one song that we really like, and we choose. We t we, it's only one song. So one week, Chris does a pick. Next week, I do a, crick, a pick. This week, it was Chris, Chris's pick, and he picked uh, a band called Living Sacrifice, and the song is called Organized Lie. And uh, this is an interesting pick because it's a – or Living Sacrifice is a Christian death metal band or Christian life metal band, however you want to say it. Um, and at first I was like, I don't know if I really like this song. But as I – because I had to edit the episode, as I got more and more into it, I was like, oh, I can kind of see why Chris likes this song. So it was neat. Uh, if you want, I will put a link in the show notes. I highly encourage you to go and check that podcast out and subscribe because that helps me out. And that is that one's totally free. No ads or Patreon support for that one as of yet. So, and it, each episode's less than 10 minutes or right around there. All right, everybody, that is it for me this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful next couple of days. Uh, Tesla's earnings call is coming out tomorrow. I will release that episode on Friday. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the show and supporting the show in the many ways that you support, not just financially. Uh, this is a very supportive audience, emotionally, financially, and other uh, creatively. You guys just do a really great job. So I want to thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show in whatever way you support it. All right, everybody, I will talk to you on Friday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.